people just have to understand there's power in community and there's power in finding support. And it's getting over that initial fear of going to a stranger's home or connecting with people I don't really know. But once they do, I mean, like we become good friends. We're doing life together. Welcome to Inside Reproductive Health, the shop talk of the fertility field. Here you'll hear authentic and unscripted conversations about practice management, patient relations, and business development from the most forward-thinking experts in our field. Now here's the founder of Fertility Bridge and the host of Inside Reproductive Health, Griffin Jones. Today on the show, I'm joined by Carolyn Harris, who has a heart for those who are facing hard situations or circumstances, especially those who are going through infertility. Her unwavering faith has made her one of the leaders and influencers in the infertility community, especially for the faith-based segment of the infertility community. She has a blog and a book in due time. She's also founded a support group called Moms in the Making. And in 2017, she quit her corporate job to volunteer for Moms in the Making full-time. When she isn't busy with Moms in the Making or in due time, she can be found traveling the world with her husband or staying active by working out and competing in triathlons. It's extremely interesting person and influencer in the infertility community. Caroline, welcome to Inside Reproductive Health. Thank you so much, Griffin. I'm glad to be here today. This has been a special segment for National Infertility Awareness Week because our audience is mostly fertility practice owners, physicians, and practice managers, and sometimes people from the infertility community listen. But this week has been the first time that we've had people on the show that are from the infertility community as opposed to the clinic side of the field. And I wanted to have you on because we've done some work together, Mm -hmm. both with Fertility Bridge, both with for Fertility Bridge clients because, you know, I often equate you and and some peers like you as sort of the media personalities of this space. And that's pretty unfamiliar for a lot of the clinics that we're consulting with or speaking to in the field. And so kind of give us an idea of how this happened, how you become sort of like a personality in a community like this? Yeah. So it kind of just happened organically. I got married in 2011. And then my husband and I, we started trying to grow our family at the beginning of 2012. And really, it was birthed out of our own journey, which I'm sure many people aren't surprised about. But in the summer of 2013, I just really had a heart to just get women together who were going through this struggle and just create a safe environment for us to come together and kind of support one another and encourage one another in a journey that obviously to many is so lonely. And so I had a few people over in my living room and really that is what is now Moms in the Making, which now we have 
23 locations across the United States of these support groups. And so, you know, with that, I also did start in due time blog and just started sharing on social media. And Griffin, as you know, social media is just kind of the way of the world now, especially for different groups and businesses and companies and even clinics. So it has just grown organically and taken off. How did the moms in the make, how did all of these women end up in your living room? Were you already blogging at that point? Were you connecting with people on social media first or did that Yeah, that's a great question. So at that time, I was blogging, but I don't think it was obviously anywhere. Um, I didn't have the reach that I now have today. But at that time, a few of it was like friends of friends. It was mainly word of mouth. But the fun part is what we find now is that there'll be women who either come to a group in my home or they attend one of our conferences. And 90% of these women are saying, I found you on Pinterest. I found you on Pinterest. I did a Google search. I found you on Facebook. I found you using an Instagram hashtag. And so really, again, about 90% of the women are finding us through social media. And how did that start for you? At what point did you want to say... It was it was it because you wanted to share your story because you found that cathartic or were you looking to find the people first? Talk to us about how the social media journey went. Yeah, I have always been a very open person because obviously so many women and men who go through infertility it's silence, right? It's, they don't tell anyone, they don't tell friends or family. And so really a week after our first initial diagnosis at the beginning of 2012, I really just felt like I was supposed to start a blog. And at that time, I didn't really share it with many people, but what it turned out to being was just a place of me sharing kind of our updates with doctors and whatnot. And then what it turned out to be was really me just encouraging women and men. And so I didn't ever expect it to be where it is now. And it's kind of funny. I joke a lot because I don't consider myself a writer, even though I do blog full time and have a book. My background is actually in business. It's finance and marketing. And so it's all been kind of out of my comfort zone and a big stretch. And it's just, it's just kind of taken off of, you know, it's, it's been five or six years. So I've put in the work to where I am today. It definitely wasn't some overnight, you know, it didn't happen overnight by any means. Was Moms in the Making simply because you wanted something more faith-based? You're a very Christian mm. woman and you reflect that in your writings and your journey with your husband. Is, was Moms in the Making just because you wanted something more in that direction? Or were there other segments that you felt were missing from existing support groups? That is a great question because honestly, thinking back, I don't think I ever sought out if there were already support groups at that time. I think I just knew it was on my heart to start one. And again, I didn't expect it to expand beyond those initial six girls who were in my living room that first meeting. And um, we do feel that we are different than a lot of groups out there but that there's a place for all the groups, right? It's not moms in the making versus resolve or moms in the making versus anything else, but we are doing something different. And we do definitely cater to an audience of women who are interested in the faith aspect of the journey as well. So then how do, how does in due time, the blog and the book, 
relate to moms in the making? Do you view them as sort of separate things that are, are related simply because of the topics that they deal with? Or is in due time sort of become a, you know, a media piece for moms in the making? Are they more separate than that? Yeah, it, there's, it's like, it, I get confused too. <laughs> and a lot of people don't understand the difference. So really what in due time has become is, you know, my heart is so near and dear for women going through infertility and men too, because that's of course so much of my story and it has been the past seven years. But my heart is really that anyone who is in a hard season, who's going through a divorce, who lost a job, whatever it is, could find encouragement if they came and read in due time. And so while Moms in the Making is very specific to just, it is even more specific, it's just women going through infertility, in due time is really a place that anyone could come and find encouragement. So I kind of see in due time as like the big umbrella and Moms in the Making as um, kind of a sidebar under in due time. If you had to pin it down to something, what do you suppose that these women and men are looking for when, when they're either reading the blog or the book or probably even more specifically when they're looking for the community and the support network that Moms in the Making provide? What do you suppose that they're looking for? Because people really listen to you. Like we had you come to one of our clients to do a Facebook Live with them because we knew that that was a great way to reach the community that if just by having you in the office that people would would be interested in in what you have to say in the same way that media personalities are used to leverage other messages across fields of all kinds so what do you find that people are coming to you for that they're that they're searching, if you had to try to be specific about it. Yeah, I think it's hope. I think people have seen how I have lived my life over the past seven years. And that has been with a good attitude that has been with this picture that guess what, this is a struggle and this is really hard, but I'm not going to let it define me. I'm not going to let it hold me back from living a, just a joyful life. And I think people are hurting and they are longing to find hope. And Perhaps they see that I carry that and and that they can to access that. And I think that has what has gotten so many people to kind of opt in, if you will, to what we're doing with Moms in the Making and in due time. We had Tia Jindusa on the show also for the National Infertility Awareness Week segment. And one of the things that we talked about is, like you said, people are coming for hope and connection. And in inside the field, I often see what I call a self-fulfilling prophecy in that I can show people the comments from social media of people connecting and what they say in videos or through the content they create. And people will very often say, our patients don't want to talk about it. They don't want anybody to know about it. And that is very often true. Some people are extremely private, but I think that we are enforcing that as the norm by continuing to say that despite a growing trend otherwise. Yeah, I think so much of it too is people want community. But again, what we kind of do when we set ourselves apart is we don't say, hey, come sit on my couch and we're just going to whine and complain and just focus on the negative. We really set ourselves apart and saying, no, 
actually, there's a lot of things that we should be grateful for. And how can we make the most of our marriage in this season? And how can we count our blessings in this season? And so, you know, I think a lot of communities, the community itself is actually more dangerous than the disease of infertility, if you will, or whatever you want to call it. It's like the culture that is built among a community becomes more toxic than actually going through infertility itself. And we just don't partner up with that. We don't partner up with just the hopelessness and the negativity. So while someone might come into a group or might attend a conference or might join our Facebook group and they're hurting and they're negative and they're complaining, our heart is really to see a transition that they would again, find hope and that they would just find that that there's joy to be found and that they can focus on the positive things. So that's really like group culture, like in the same way with within my company or maybe some other organizations that I'm involved with. It starts from Mm -hmm. the top, in my opinion. Culture always starts from the top. Whenever there is an issue in culture is because the, the top isn't doing their job to set the example for the rest of the group. But so what, what are some of the things that you do to say, like, this is who we are. We are not people that wallow in a negative feedback loop. We are people who are solutions oriented, who are gratitude oriented. What are some of the things that you do to set that culture so that it doesn't veer into something? Yeah, absolutely. You know, it's as simple as with our leaders across the United States, we have them sign an agreement when they come on as a leader, which is basic things that they're agreeing to. But one of those is you will not complain and you will not create an environment for women to complain. So we're not saying that that women can't come into a group and say, hey, I'm currently struggling with XYZ or hey, I just had a miscarriage. No, you can say those things, but if you sit there and you come in every week and you just talk about the negative and you're just upset because your friend just got pregnant, we just always try to flip it. Okay, your friend might be pregnant, but how can we see the good in this situation? Or, hey, you might have just started your period, but how can we focus on the positive in this situation? Is that tough love? I mean, maybe. <laughs> I just am like, no one wants to be around a complainer. And I just feel like, I don't know. I mean, yeah, I don't know. (laughs) Do you find some people that can't just get on board with it? Because it is just with any hard thing in life, there is a certain point where it's like, I've got to grieve or I've got to go through something. And then there is a certain point where okay, now we're in a negative feedback loop. And do you you find some people that just can't get on board? What I found, and I agree, there's a time to grieve. And I think that does look a lot different. But what I have found is absolutely everyone gets on board. And what happens is that they will leave a night where we have had a support group meeting and they feel refreshed. They feel energized. And just feedback I've heard is, Hey, I tried a different group and all they did, there was nothing encouraging. All the women did was just sit around and whine about their situations. And I felt worse leaving the group. And so although it might not be everyone's natural tendency, it's like, it takes practice, right? And we're there to help them 
as they're practicing finding gratitude and focusing on the positive things. But honestly, Griffin, this is another reason, like we have a Moms in the Making online Facebook group. It's a closed group and we have a closed wall, meaning we will create prompts, but we don't allow people just to post. Why? Because we know it would just be negative. And so we'll create a prompt of, hey, what's a song that you're listening to right now that's helping helping you in the season? Hey, it, you know, we just ended the month of March. What was one thing that you and your husband got to do together that was so much fun that helped you get your mind off of infertility? So it's just little things to help create that practice. And sure, I'm sure there's a small subset of people that are like, this isn't for me. And that's okay. Because the reality is moms in the making is not for everyone. And we totally bless and support the people that, you know, that it's not a good fit. And you've had in-person events beyond just the the women in your house you have had conferences no Mm -hmm. yes yeah we've had two conferences and our third one will be in october and yeah we've had uh, over 200 women our past conference people came from 33 different states so it's pretty crazy they came from 33 different states yeah and then the first conference we had people from africa Someone flew from Africa, which I still can't believe. Someone flew from the Bahamas. So yeah, we've just... And that conference, I think, was like from 32 states. So yes. And all, almost all of these people found out about the organization through social media? Social media. Yep. <laughs> yes. Yeah. I think it's, it's incredible because there's so many people that are suffering in silence mm-hmm. and or just want more connection, more community, want some sort of feeling of being understood. And I've always looked at practices as the ability to be leaders for these communities and do at least some things similar. And I think they're dubious of their ability to do that very often. And part of the reason is for the reasons that you talked about, they're terrified mm-hmm. of of groups just turning into negative feedback loops and them and just having a bunch of people together that are taking a dump on their reputation. Yes. And, but I think that in the, and I think that's a legitimate concern, but the fear of that prevents people in from pursuing this community building of which they can be the leaders that you're seeing, you're getting people from different continents flying over for. Yeah, it's pretty crazy. It's that it's that initial I think fear that people have though and then like just yesterday I got an email from someone who's already emailed me two or three times. She's like, "Hey, I live in the Dallas area. I want to come to your group." Okay, great. Here are the details. Can't wait to meet you. And then I don't hear back from her. And then Hey, I think I'm ready to come. And then I don't hear anything. Well, yesterday she emails again. She's like, "Okay, I can't take it anymore." Right? So it's like People just have to understand there is power in community and there's power in finding support. And it's getting over that initial fear of going to a stranger's home or connecting with people I don't really know. But once they do, I mean, like we become good friends. We're doing life together, you know? And so it's exciting, although it's it can be nerve wracking at first. It's exciting that again, that community has been built and friendships have been formed. And some of these women are honestly best friends. And I don't say that or take that lightly, but they've met, they've connected, and they've just grown deep friendships through it all, which is beautiful. 
So what's next, either for in due time or for moms in the making? Like what? Oh, and your predictions for where the community at large is going? Like where are we going to be in two years, five years, ten years? Both for what you're working on and the overall community. Yeah. So for Moms in the Making specifically, like I mentioned, we have 23 groups in different cities across the United States. We would love to have a group in every city because again, we recognize that that is a need. And so that's something that we roll out every six months. So I hope by, you know, the next two, five, 10 years, we we've tripled that number. Clearly our problem with growing the groups is we know there's a need, but we also know that we need a good leader in place. So we don't just launch groups to launch groups. We're very careful with making sure that we have the right leader on board because it's a lot to lead a group. And again, kind of steward those conversations and create a healthy environment. Specifically for in due time, I'm actually launching a podcast myself within the next few weeks. It is a friend that I guess what met through Instagram who has become one of my best friends. Her name's Jessica. And so we are launching a podcast starting soon called A Cup Full of Hope. And it will just be talking about that hope I mentioned earlier that we feel like we carry and can release out to other people who are looking for it. And other than that, you know, it's just been a roller coaster ride. So I don't know what to expect next, even for the community, but I'm always up for whatever I feel like is down the pipeline. I think it's so important for providers, practice managers, people that work in the field to pay attention to what you're doing and what other people in the field are doing, because it would be like if banks just never read the Wall Street, if bankers never read the Wall Street journal. I mean, in so many ways, the communities and the blogs and the influencers of which you are among the head of the pack are, it's, it, it is the voice of the community. And I think for a field that serves this community, if they're not participating and following these channels, then we're so completely divorced from the people that we're serving. Absolutely. And that's why I love getting to connect with the physicians and uh, the different clinics and you know, my opportunity to do that so far has been a little limited, but I think there's something powerful because we need each other, right? The clinics need the support groups and we need the clinics. And what's always fun is every time we have a group meeting, it's like the first thing we ask is like, okay, well, what doctors have you seen? Because by this point, we've crossed every Dallas doctor off the list, right? Just because of, I mean, I've had over 50 or 60 people walk through my front door. So, so yeah, we definitely need each other for sure. And that's just one of the 23 cities. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Isn't that crazy? Caroline, what haven't I asked you about that you would want to conclude with either about the faith-based segment of the community or about the influencers and support groups that are popping up throughout social media or the community at large? What haven't I asked you about that you would want to conclude with? I don't think anything specific. I would say if anyone is listening who is a clinician or physician or has a practice, just thank you for what you're doing. Because again, we need you. And we're so grateful for how you help women like me. And to anyone who might be listening, who's going through infertility themselves to reach out, whether it's you reaching out to me, which I'd be glad to connect. But find a group, find a support group, find a place and a community outside of 
you know, your husband outside of perhaps a family member, but someone who understands because it is different talking with someone else and connecting with someone else who actually understands. Caroline Harris of In Due Time and Moms in the Making, thank you so much for coming on Inside Reproductive Health. Thanks, Griffin. You've been listening to the Inside Reproductive Health Podcast with Griffin Jones. If you have a strong opinion about today's episode, we want to hear it. Agree, disagree, or have another point to add, please email podcast at fertilitybridge.com and tell us if you recommend a guest or a topic for a future episode. If you're ready to skyrocket your fertility practices growth and double your IVF cycles, schedule your fertility marketing discovery call by clicking the link in the show notes. And if you just want to learn more tactics to market your fertility center, download our free ebook, The Ultimate Guide to Fertility Marketing on fertilitybridge.com, also available in the show notes. Thanks again for listening to the Inside Reproductive Health Podcast, and we look forward to talking more fertility shop on future episodes.